My govanen, Melunin, and thanks for tuning in to Speak, Friend, and Enter Deep Lore. This is where I take the dense and poetic stories from the Silmarillion and do my best to make them more accessible so nerds and non-nerds alike can fully enjoy them. I'm Leah, and I read the books so you don't have to. Previously, we talked about the Sundering of the Elves, when the Elves, finally awake in Middle-earth, follow the Valar over Middle-earth and across the sea to Valinor. Well, many of the Elves do, anyway. Today, we're talking about the fifth chapter of the Silmarillion, of Eldamar and the Princes of the Eldalie. The chapter opens with a short discussion of Arda's geography, explaining that Middle-earth in the Elder Days curves toward the north and west so that in the very, very north only a narrow sea separates Amman, where Valinor is, from Middle-earth. This narrow sea, however, is full of grinding ice and is too treacherous to pass, so Orome takes the elves on a safer path, to cross the sea at a wider point from a more central latitude in Middle-earth. The elves look upon the sea for the first time and are filled with wonder and fear. Then Olmo, the Lord of Waters, comes to the shore and speaks with the elves, and because of his words and the music he makes on his shell horns, the elves forget their fear of the sea. Olmo uproots an island from the middle of the sea and moves it to the shore, and the elves ride this island across the sea to Amman. One group of elves, called the Teleri, crossed Middle-earth too late and missed Olmo's summons, so they live on the shore, as close as they can get to Valinor. Their king had been Elwë, aka Thingol, who is currently lost in a forest staring at Melian the Maya, so in his absence they take his brother Olwë as king. Ose and Uenin, a pair of Maiar who serve Olmo, befriend these elves and teach them sea lore and sea music. Finway, the king of the Noldoran elves in Valinor, grieves the absence of his Teleran kin, and after many years, Olmo, Lord of Waters, listens to his pleas. He bears many of the Teleran elves away to Valinor, but the Maya Ose loves the elves and convinces some of them to stay with him on the shores of Middle-earth. The lord of these shore elves, the Falavrim, is an elf we've talked about a few times. Círdan the Shipwright, a.k.a. the oldest elf in Middle-earth, a.k.a. the only elf with a beard. The story then brings us back to Elwë, a.k.a. Thingol, who we talked about in detail in our last Deep Lore episode. Because he had lingered in the forest making googly eyes at Melian and his friends and kin stayed to look for him, they missed the summons to Amon as well. They dwell in the woods and hills because the sea fills them with sorrow, and Elwë, a.k.a. Thingol, doesn't miss the two trees of Valinor. Greatly though he had desired to see again the light of the trees, in the face of Melian he beheld the light of Amon as in an unclouded mirror, and in that light he was content. His people gathered about him in joy, and they were amazed, for fair and noble as he had been, now he appeared as it were a lord of the Maiar, his hair as grey silver, tallest of all the children of Iluvatar, and a high doom was before him. And remember that for our purposes in the Silmarillion, doom means fate. So Elwë aka Thingol is sexier than ever after falling in love with Melian, and his people can see he's destined for great things. When the Teleran elves are riding their island boat to Amman, Ose begs Olmo to stop their voyage in the Bay of Eldamar. Olmo does so, and they plant the island in the sea. Olmo does this because he understands the hearts of the Teleri who love water and its music above all else. The island is then called Tol Erasea, which means Lonely Island. The Teleri are within sight of Amon, but they live outside of it, and their speech becomes different from that of the Vanyar and Noldor in Valinor. 
These Vanyar and Noldor are given an area of land in Valinor, but the elves long to see the stars, so the Valar create a pass, which is called the Kalakiria, or Light Cleft, in the Pelori Mountains. In the Kalakiria, there is a deep valley that runs to the sea, and in this valley, the Valar raise a high green hill called Tuna. The light of the two trees shines from the west through the Kalakiria on Tuna, and from the east can be seen the Bay of Eldamar and Tol Erisea and the sea. Through this gap, the radiance of Valinor shines on the western shore of Tol Erisea, and here bloom the first flowers that ever grow east of the Pelori. The elves' city here on the hill is called Tyrion, commonly called Tyrion upon Tuna. It's a bummer that Tuna is pronounced the way it is, but there's even an accent on the U, so we can't really get away with pronouncing it fancy, like Tuna. The walls and terraces of the city are white, and the Tower of Ingwe, the boring king of the Vanyaran elves, is the highest in the city, and its silver lamp shines far away into the sea, far enough that even a few mortal mariners have seen its light. The Vanyaran and Noldoran elves love the white tree of Valinor, that is, Telperion, the one who creates silver light, so Yavanna makes them a little brother tree to Telperion that doesn't create its own light, but is nevertheless very beautiful. In Sindarin, this tree is called Galathilion, and it has many seedlings in Eldamar. Tolkien loved trees enough that, of course, trees have their own documented lineages. Galathilion is the tree ancestor to Nimloth, the white tree of Numenor, and through Nimloth, all four of the white trees of Gondor. As we've spoken about a little before, Manwe, the king of the Valar, and Varda, queen of the stars, loved the high Vanyaran elves the best. But Aule's favorite weird little siblings are the Noldoran elves. Because they spend so much time with Aule the craftsman and his Maiar, they become vastly knowledgeable and skilled, and they always want to learn more. The Noldor invent words and names for everything that was and everything they imagine. The masons of the House of Finway, who is king of the Noldoran elves, are quarrying in the hills for stone to build their towers, and they are the first to discover gems. They unearth them, cut them, shape them, and make them into all kinds of things, and they're not jealous of their riches. They give them away freely and make all of Valinor even more beautiful by their labors. The rest of the chapter is some Noldoran elf genealogy, so I'll have a family tree up on the show's Twitter. Finway is the king of the Noldor. He's hot, he's sexy, he's good-looking, and most importantly, he's handsome. He's tall, with black hair and bright blue-gray eyes. Through thousands and thousands and thousands of years of history, he's the farthest we can trace back Aragorn's lineage. Finway marries an elf woman named Miriel Ferinde, and she bears a son, Feanor. We've alluded to him a lot, and now he's finally here. Miriel, however, doesn't survive Feanor's birth. She has essentially given too much of herself to Feanor, and she wishes to be released from life. She departs Valinor for the gardens of Lorien, where she may rest and recover, but during her recovery, her spirit, or Fea, leaves her body and enters the halls of Mandos. This is the first time in history that an elf chooses to die. Finway the king marries for a second time to an elf woman named Indis. She bears him two daughters, Findis and Irame, and two more sons, Fingolfin and Finarfin. Feanor was the mightiest in skill of word and of hand, more learned than his brothers. His spirit burned as a flame. Fingolfin was the strongest, the most steadfast, and the most valiant. Finarfin was the fairest and the most wise of heart. 
Feanor, eldest son of King Finway, marries an elf woman named Nerdanel, and they have an astounding seven sons. These sons are Maedras the Tall, Maglor the Mighty Singer, Caligorm the Fair, Caranthir the Dark, Kurufin the Crafty, and the twins Amrad and Amras. Feanor's half-brother Fingolfin marries Anadie, and they have three children. Fingon the Valiant, who has so many adventures it's hard to condense them, Turgon, who will be the Lord of Gondolin, which is where all the cool swords come from, and Arathel the White Lady of the Noldor, who will later be the main character in one of the Legendarium's darkest fairy tale stories. Are you still with me? We're nearly done with family trees. Finarfin, Feanor's youngest half-brother, marries an elf woman named Eärwen, daughter of Olwë, king of the Teleran elves. Together, they have three sons, Finrod the Faithful, or Finrod Felagund, Angrod and Aignor, and one daughter, Galadriel, most beautiful of all the House of Finway. Her hair was lit with gold as though it had caught in a mesh the radiance of Laurelin. Laurelin is the younger of the two trees of Valinor, from whose flowers spills a golden light. The published Silmarillion also lists a fourth son, Orodreth, but in later writings Tolkien had changed Orodreth to be the son of Angrod, and that's what Christopher Tolkien has decided is hashtag valid, so that's the version I'm going with. Now the chapter turns to how the Teleran elves, who lived on the lonely island just east of Amman, come to Valinor. Through a long age they dwelt in Tol Erisea, but slowly their hearts were changed and were drawn towards the light that flowed out over the sea to the lonely isle. They were torn between the love of the music of the waves upon their shores and the desire to see again their kindred and to look upon the splendor of Valinor, but in the end desire of the light was the stronger. So Olmo sends Ossay the Maya to the Teleran elves, and though it grieves him, Ossay teaches the Teleri the craft of building ships. When they are done, he brings them the gift of many strong-winged swans, and the swans draw the Teleri's white ships over the sea and to the shores of Eldemar. Now, all of Amman is open to them. They can check out the trees, the golden streets of the city of Valmar of Many Bells, the crystal stairs of Tyrion upon Tuna, but their favorite thing is still to sail in the Bay of Eldemar and walk in the waves on the shore. The Noldor give them beautiful jewels, opals, and diamonds and crystals, and the Teleri throw them onto the shores and scatter them in the pools, which I suppose is fun when the concepts of money and scarcity don't exist. And many pearls they won for themselves from the sea, and their halls were of pearl, and of pearl were the mansions of Olwë at Alqualande, the haven of the swans. The name of this port city, Alqualande, means swan haven because the Teleri carve their ships in the likeness of swans. The Vanyaran elves eventually move out of Tyrion upon Tuna and shack up with the Valar in Valinor, but the Noldor love the memory of Middle-earth under the stars, and they live in the Calakiria, though they do often go into Valinor. Feanor and his sons in particular never stay in one place for long, going even to the borders of the dark and the cold shores of the outer sea seeking the unknown. That's going to be it for this episode of Speak, Friend, and Enter Deep Lore. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Those reviews really help people find the show. If you have a question or topic you'd like us to discuss on the show, please email us at speakfriendpod at gmail.com. You can check out the show's Twitter at speakfriendpod for official pod stuff and visual aids, and my personal Twitter is at askistwin, that's I-S-T-W-E-N. 
We'll have a regular episode up in two weeks, and next month we'll have another deep lore episode about the next chapter of the Silmarillion, of Feanor and the Unchaining of Melkor. We'll talk about Feanor and his family, and the end of Melkor's captivity by the Valar. Until next time, Muhu Torgizu Turguskin.